Welcome to episode 385 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a grand conversation with regular contributor Frank Littlebear Deerfoot, professor of Native American studies, performing artist, musician, among other things. We talk about the pandemic, about old normal into new normal, dealing with the system, Navajo and the Sioux, body bags instead of aid to indigenous people, reflecting on where our energy is going to be best used, breaking cycles, ignorance, and he shares a story of discrimination as well as some live music with a flute that was gifted to him. Again, a grand conversation this week with Frank Little Bear, Deerfoot. We also have an EW essay titled Flags. We share an excerpt from Colson Whitehead's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Underground Railroad. And we have a poem called Yellow Hue. All of this, of course, will be imbued and infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 385 of Troubadours and Tours. Yeah. 
flags. Last night, I witnessed perhaps the most arrogant, delusional event in the history of the South Lawn. The White House, we should seriously reconsider this name, and the Washington Monument were used for the first time ever as the backdrop for the political party nomination event of a sitting U.S. president. Lies, divisive rhetoric, bone-headed posturing, all so reminiscent of despots and dictators, using our capital grounds and monuments meant to represent our greatest ideals as a means to brand and brandish the self-indulgent lies of a group of entitled thieves forever working to maintain and expand their empire of privilege and small-minded groping for more of whatever they believe is needed to protect their positions of power. Guns, the police, business, money, fear, Immigrants, war, walls, aliens, hate, mobs of criminals of color running rabid to the suburbs, public schools given to the rich for profit, God, flags, fools fearful they aren't fitting in. So then we could all claim that we are the greatest people and country to ever exist on this planet earth all of the good folk here most certainly a plurality must find a way to dig deep and truly work together as a genuine bond of humanity to thwart these evil efforts despite the real challenges that exist as we the people work in ways aspirant of truth and honesty.
Frank Little Bear, is that you? That's me. How you doing? Good, good. E.W. Conundrum here from Troubadours and Rock On Tours. It's good to have you on the show again. Yeah, appreciate it. I'm, I always look forward to being a contributor. It's always inspiring. Yeah, same here. We need inspiration for sure, given these really uh, challenging times, I guess you could say. I mean... Times generally are challenging, I suppose, right? But these are extraordinarily challenging. Yeah. Uh, so let me just give some folks a little background on our guest in case they haven't heard this segment before. Frank Little Bear yeah. is a regular contributor, I'm happy to say, to our program. He is a professor of Native American studies. He's a musician and a performing artist, among other things. Uh, and today, I believe he's going to do a performance first at some point, a uh, live performance. And uh, we're going yeah. yeah, right? Did we, we set up for that? Absolutely. So, Frank Little Bear, let's, let's talk about the obvious thing first. We'll start off with um, the pandemic. How, how, yeah. Last time we talked, it was just getting going, so to speak, and uh, we were trying to figure out you know, how our communities were going to respond, how we, with our families, were going to respond. How are things going? You're down in York, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, York has been, it, it's kind of a weird deal in this neck of the woods. Um, as you know, we have the governor right up the road from us in Harrisburg. So, and, uh, you know, everybody has opinions on things being shut down, things being open, how things should be open, how things should be closed, mask wearing, non-mask wearing, and I know it's going on all over. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, several months now in, who would have thought it would have lasted this long or has become either politically driven or whatever in, in some regard. But, yeah, a lot of people are, you know, I, I think it's really wearing on everybody because, you know, we're all itching to get back to the old normal instead of this new normal that they keep talking about. And I know like for my kids that are getting ready to go to school, uh, you know, they've, you know, the school districts are doing a phenomenal job. First off, let me say, because they really are trying to provide the best scenario and best and safest environment for these kids to excel in their learning academics. However, they're given so many parameters, right. To try to, make sure it, it is to that level for them. And in doing that, it, it, it kind of, there's a lot of opinions, a lot of things that are changing. Um, I can't tell you how many emails I got from the, from school districts and in the, the County on, you know, here's the direction we're going in. And the next day, let's scratch that. This is the direction we're going in. So, you know, I, I think like, it's like it, we're just taking it all day by day, like everybody else. Yeah, so I don't have really much of an opinion on it. I just kind of go with it, you know. Um, I, you can't fight a system that you know you're not going to win against, and only going to create more problems for yourself and a headache for somebody who's just doing what they're told, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. And the system, I guess you're saying, is the state government, the federal government, things like that, the local yeah. government? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the CDC puts stuff out, and the government puts stuff out, and the hospitals are putting stuff out, and scientists are putting stuff out, and, you know, nobody knows really what to do, but they're trying to do the best case and the safest case. And, you know, it's it, it, and I'm sure in your area, it's, you know, it, it can be a, a big inconvenience because what you're used to doing or something that you need to have done, like even going to the doctor's office, if, you know, now you can't go to this area, you have to go to this one. Um, you have to be tested before you get to go here. It's a lot of craziness that's kind of going on, but, you know, you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah, and I understand, uh, based on some of the articles I've read, that, uh, you know, uh, individuals, fellow citizens um, in our community who are indigenous, those communities are are, are having a tougher time with the, with the pandemic. Is that is that? You? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the the Navajo right now are one of the hot spots. Uh, the Lakota uh, out in, in the Dakotas, they are, and uh, you know, all the way up through Nebraska, a lot of the the Sioux nations are really fighting to keep it outside because, you know, and I think this is what most people don't realize. So if, if you're part of the lower 48 and, you know, you're, you know, you are under Bureau of Indian Affairs, you know, we don't have the same healthcare system that you do, um, that most people do. Uh, you know, there is no allotment for that in some of those areas. It, it is what it is and what they give you. And some of those treatment plans, you know, can take a very long time to reach the people in need. So if the elders get sick, especially, or those key demographics, you know, they may not see treatment at all in the time frame that's needed to keep them alive. So, and that's why it's such kind of a fear status for them because they're used to this sort of, that, that sort of drive. They're used to that you know, like, okay, this is what we have to do to prepare ourselves because we're probably going to get the short end of the stick on everything. You know, some uh, like the Navajo, um, I don't know if, it, you know, people are following the news, you know, they see that a lot of them out there, you know, they're the last ones to get um, any assistance in the things. And, and, you know, there was a thing all over the news and, and it made it to Facebook first, but it was actually, a, it was one of the truer content stores. You know, they were sending body bags to them first instead mm. of, the aid and masks and other things that they absolutely needed. And it, it kind of really, it was hurtful. It was like, well, you know, are we supposed to just be forgotten again? Um, so, yeah. So that was, you know, and I was getting, you know, out here because, you know, we do a lot of work with different nations and different indigenous people and communities. Um, and it was kind of, you know, hey, what's your idea for this? You know, do you have an outreach on the East Coast, something that, you know, we could, you know, might be able to help and, and sort of network with? So, you know, trying to put all those pieces together can be really, really hard, especially when, you know, there's travel bans and there's, you know, people don't want you to go to state, people don't want you to do things and constantly making phone calls and trying to set up meetings. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we have to take care of each other. We're all human beings and this is something that, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're black, white, red, or yellow. Um, it doesn't care now that we're finding out what age you are. Um, you know, so it doesn't, you know, 
particularly care what side of the political aisle you're on. Um, you know, whether you buy into it 100% or you think it's just a big game for whatever. Um, you know, people are legitimately dying. And, yeah, they die of the flu and other things, and I get that. But this somehow has really grasped a lot of people, right? And it seems that, at least for in Indian country, uh, you know, it, it's they're seeing sort of the worst of it, too. And, it's it, you know, typically it's not that much talked about for some of the stuff that goes on out in those territories. But, you know, it should be a wake-up call, I think, for everybody, for all of us. Let's say if, if all we have to do is wash hands, you know, wear a mask if we're in a store for the few minutes we're in there, you know, be polite to each other and cautious for people that are a little bit more susceptible to the infection. You know, it's just common sense, right? I mean, there's people with cancer that you probably run into every day that have a weakened immune system, and you don't realize if you have a cold, you could affect them. So just taking those little precautions, you know, I think could go a long way either way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thanks for that insight. I appreciate uh, hearing you, because you don't hear about uh, how indigenous people are are uh, faring uh, during the pandemic as much as, you know, we could and should, you know, via mass media. So I appreciate that, and hopefully things get better um, for everyone, and including, of course, uh, those who are struggling with it even more so than normal. Uh, again, people of yeah. color, indigenous folks, and it's strange why that is. I don't get it scientifically uh, why that is occurring. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I I know some of it has to do with social uh, uh, problems that uh, keep people from being as strong and prepared as they could be or should be uh, from anything right. like like a disease um, that uh, attacks our systems, nutrition, you know, healthcare. Uh, th- things of that nature, being able to to even have the 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 privilege of um, and the luxury of of quarantining yourself instead of going to work to make ends meet, right. uh, so many things I, I'm sure uh, feed that reality where again uh, people of color, indigenous folks are are, are uh, being affected uh, more so by this pandemic in our country. Uh, it's very complicated for sure. Uh, Frank Little Bear is is on the program, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about two. Let's let's t- shift gears. Um, if if you if you're good with that, unless you want to say anything else on the pandemic. No, I'm. You know, I, I like I said, I, I don't know what to really say about it. I don't. You know, I can't say I, I have too much of an opinion on it because I've, I've it's it's out of my hands. Like, what am I going to do about it? Right. What are you going to do about it? it? It is what it is, and we just have to kind of go with it and go with what some of the rules and regulations are. And like I said, it's, you know, I know it's uncomfortable for people, but you're kind of fighting at this and you're not going to win. I was just talking to somebody the other day about that, um, you know, because he asked, well, what is your take on this? And he was like, well, I, you know, I can't believe you're just so, like, not passionate or riled up or it doesn't get you mad about it. And it's like there's things that in this world, you cannot control and all through history and time, but yeah, you can get mad about it, but where's your energy going to be best served? Is it going to be best served being a better human being or is it going to be best served fighting something that's just going to make more people upset? And you know, you're truly conflicted on it because you just don't have all the facts. You know what I'm saying? I I do. The one thing that I I understand, I know you, so I, uh, better yeah. than probably anybody listening, unless your family's listening. Uh, and I know where you're coming from with that statement. But some folks 
would would probably say, well, that that could be a, a justification to not do anything, to be apathetic, to throw your arms up, saying, yeah, you can't win anyway, so I even try. You know, it, well, but, what do you say to people right. who would who would have that concern with your 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 uh, philosophy? Well, I would put it in this in this context: it's it's not being blasé or or not doing anything. It's it's still doing something. It's just you know understanding. First off, um, what do you have the power to change, and you know what do you have the power to make a movement with, and what is beyond your control and scope that if these are the rules that you're handed right now, because you have to socially uh, get along with a program that is, you know, by the powers that be that are passing down to you, not submissive, right? Because I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, they're trying to suppress us and they're trying to tell us what to do and we want freedom and stuff. But, you know, how is it... How is it affecting your freedom if all they're asking you to do is just wash hands, be a little bit more courteous, being a little bit more cautious, trying to, you know, not spread things so much? Why is it such a tough time for people, you know, to, you know, you know, just to give each other some of that space and some of those things, um, you know, and control that and to know that you're still in control of your actions so that, you know, it's not affecting you and you're not affecting them. So you're um, ta- are you talking... Oh, I'm sorry. Go, uh, go ahead. No, but like I said, I mean, it, you know, so I think that's what I would say to that. It, it's just like, you know, it, it, it's, you know, yeah, you, I see every day on the news and you see it too and, and people in communities and stuff and they're so upset and they're so riled up about it and they're so like, oh, you know, they're, you know, I, I guess they're taking away my freedom and taking away my rights. You know, I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, for me, I, I, and, you know, I don't look at it like I'm the center of the world. You know, I know there's other people in this world that we have to share this with and other things in the universe you have to share this with. And we're one little speck of dust in that entire collage. And we're here for a purpose and we're here for a meaning. But I'm not the center of that that can dictate to everybody around me my points of view and, and, you know, my feelings. I expect them to respect it, but I don't expect them to always, you know, conform just what I'm saying, just like I'm not going to conform to what they're saying and, and what their beliefs are. Um, I'm very strong in my convictions, and I, I'm glad to see other people are strong in theirs. But we have to share that, and we have to respect each other in that regard. And, you know, when we're in the midst of something that, you know, like a disease that we see is killing people, um, even around flu, time, flu season and other things like that, we need to take pause, and we just need to kind of take a breath and realize, well, you know, yeah, it's uncomfortable. I've got to do X, Y, and Z. But if that's what it's going to take so I can go to the store and, you know, buy a freaking thing of toilet paper, then it is what it is. Yeah, I get you. And I, I, I guess yeah. you're, you're speaking to the the folks uh, who complain that the government is, is making them uh, sort of behave in ways that they they didn't have to behave in the in the past like wearing a mask or or not you know places of business or or social gathering being closed down that kind of thing and you're saying it's not worth fighting that system because you can't beat it but at the same time you agree with what the system is is telling us to do with regard to how we prepare ourselves and, and to beat the pandemic uh, that's the thing I'm trying right. to get clear we've on. Gotta, 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's got to be some truth. If you, if you take it from a common sense approach, there's, there's some truth in it. There's, you know, there's a lot of just common sense practices uh, that you know, people, you know, take for granted. Like I said, with, with the, you know, with the, the Sioux, the Navajo, and a lot of our indigenous people, one of the biggest things, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions, was the cleanliness that we prided ourselves on within our tribes. So, you know, again, you're looking at a, at a tribal people that literally went out in the woods, killed skin, cooked animals, canned hides, and then wore them as clothing. The last thing you're going to ever want to do is bring that back to your village, not clean it properly, and create some sort of biological disease that's going to make you sick for wearing it, pass on to somebody else who's in your nation, and then make everybody sick and eventually you know, um, you know, have some sort of fatal epidemic. So, you know, and when the Europeans were coming here, you know, it really was surprising how many of them didn't bathe for days on end. You know, they worked really hard. They, they tried to build civilization, but they had very poor hygiene. And when they saw what we were using as far as different, you know, soaps and things to wash our bodies and keep ourselves smelling good and things that we were taking in to keep, you know, our nutrition good. Um, you know, it, it kind of gave them more insight. And again, part of it was too, historically, if you look at it, when they came here, they didn't realize, you know, it, it's like you're in a new land. So, you know, you may not identify what this herb is or what this plant is, or can I eat that animal? Um, so they, they were kind of having to learn a lot of that from those that did get along with indigenous people. I did, you know, uh, get along with some of the tribes. But like I said, we, we really did pride ourselves on our cleanliness. So, you know, when, when we hear about these things about, you know, hey, making sure you guys are clean, clean yourselves and making sure you smell good and making sure you're, you're having to do this, it's a common sense approach because, you know, you, you know I, I would hate to be out working all day in the fields you know, coming in, spinning in my bed, you know, passing on the muck and whatever all around me and then see that start to kind of affect every other part of my environment and then making people sick because it's just a filth that you're in. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, is it so hard to say, hey, wash your hands for 20 seconds? You know, you mind wearing a mask or if you can't wear a mask because of whatever's going on, you know, people won't go out of their way to make sure you can still get your groceries and still get your things and, do car to car, you know, person to car pickup and home deliveries and stuff like that. So they're doing everything in this community right now and in this world to try to make it convenient for everybody to live as best as we can in the society that we have. So, like I said, that's the thing that I just, that kind of blows my mind. It's like, you know, they wear a mask, they throw it on the ground. Um, they take, you know, and, and I don't know if you, you probably saw this stuff in your neck of the woods, you know, people were wearing rubber gloves all the time, but then instead of throwing them out in the garbage can, they were throwing them on the ground, which was creating a litter problem. So, yes. you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I think like, like things like that, it's just, it's a common sense approach. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it makes sense to me, like before I come into your home to eat dinner to make sure that, you know, uh, you know, and, and, you know, hang out with you guys up there. You know, make sure I'm, I, I take a shower, wash my hands and everything else and look presentable when I walk into your place, um, you know. So, yeah, no, it just it is what it is. Yeah, I guess we Europeans just uh, continue to be 
less hygienic than we should. <laughs> European Americans. <laughs> well, well, you know, and, and that you know, and, and you know, if you bring it up to modern times, I mean, you you look at some of the reservations and stuff, and you look at some of the people, and you know that that you know that does it has affected us in those ways. I mean, we have a really high, you know, still you know, drug addictions and alcoholism and. You know, people are going missing. You know, we're still fighting these fights and challenges and stuff. And the spirit has been broken down in some areas, and it's been built up in other areas. And you know, it's it, it, you know, it, it, looking at it through our country and and globally, you know, it's something we all face. You know, it's it's no longer just an ethnic aspect. It's you know, and again, it's you know, I I've raised my kids and myself to not look at color. Because, you know, you can't blame an entire culture for something someone did wrong because of a certain ethnicity. you got to look at it on an individual basis. So, you know, we try to excel in accepting people on that human level and knowing that regardless of race, culture, and religion, we need to just help each other to be better because we have one planet and we have, you know, one society and, you know, in order for us to, to, to flourish, I need to be able to, to know that I can count on you if I need help. And you need to know that you can count on me if you need help. Um, so, it's, again, that's that kind of common sense community mindset that I think we really need to do is, you know, put down our egos and realize what can we really do to come together and build ourselves up to move forward. You know, if somebody needs a hand, help them out. If... You know, these are the rules that we have to kind of go by for right now. What's going to make it livable in the best environment so everybody's mental and emotional status can be raised up to accept what we're faced with and know it's helping us in this society and it's building us up. may not be something I particularly like to do, but I know it's going to make you feel better and help you. And, you know, you're a fellow human being and we need to build this community and this society together. Then, you know, we face it together. You know, we're not separate in this. So, I don't know. I like it. I'm, Maybe I, I'm ahead of my time. I mean, yeah, well, I think with the way you put it, common sense, community-mindedness, this notion has been around for a long time and uh, within our species for you know thousands of years, I suppose, though it, do, it doesn't seem to be predominant enough. It keeps getting supplanted right. or you know offset, pushed back by more aggressive, maybe selfish uh, approaches, uh, I, I guess is the best way I, at the moment I could describe it. Uh, and you even talk about some of the dysfunction that today uh, indigenous folk on this continent deal with on, on the reservations in their communities. And that has to do with bad um, behavior that they ha ha are still trying to get over, you know, being treated and and as as people in in a terrible manner, you know, just like people of color, African Americans in particular, on this continent, who had to deal with in our history on this continent, terrible, terrible, terrible circumstances. It takes a long time for people to get over that, uh, and 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 yeah. and our whole society has to deal with it because we're, as you said, we're all together. We are together. Absolutely. You know, and we're all—it's—it's it's everybody's uh, challenge. If if you want to be good people, if you want to be a good society, you know, you don't just ignore it. 
we don't blame so much, but you got to take responsibility and you have to work together. And and that's a key word is taking responsibility. And I think that's that's sort of a big thing. Uh, you know, historically, yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of cultures that that came here, you know, that were put either in slavery. Um, not only people that were black, but you know, look at what the you know what happened with the Irish. You know, when they first came to this continent, um, look at what happened to a lot of the Asians that came, you know, the Chinese and Japanese that were that came here for freedom, uh, the things that they were pushed into doing. Uh, you know, people that were poor that, you know, could not make ends meet were thrown in cotton fields too, regardless of color. It was just more of a of a demographic thing. So, you know, yeah, I mean it's I think that's one of the things that we don't, we also don't realize, you know, indigenous people, we've lost millions of people in a 500 year time span because of ignorance, you know, uh, because people didn't understand or want to understand our culture. They wanted our land. They wanted what we had and they took it. If it wasn't, you know, given to them in a trade or through a broken promise, then they just took it. They killed our people off and that was it. Uh, you know, they gave us blankets and made us sick because they knew we didn't have the immune system to fight it. Uh, you know, all these other things that are kind of going and yet there's individuals and even communities that are thinking, Hey, we need to learn from that. You know, we need to always have a reminder somewhere that tells us what happened so that our children never forget in our songs, in our dances, in our history, we never should forget that. So we don't repeat it. We can't wipe it under the rug and get rid of it but in today's society and you know i've dealt with discrimination at, at a couple of points in my life here and there it, you know it, again it was kind of one of those things where you know getting ready to do a show and there was somebody that was out there that didn't quite appreciate my uh, ethnicity and let me know about it in one way or the other and i think i shared uh, shared with you uh, and the audience, I think, went to the story that, um, you know, I was down south and I had somebody approach me for it and they actually spit on me uh, for being Indian. And I was like, I, I, to be honest with you, and this might seem funny, I was kind of confused about it. Like, I was like, I was so confused that, wow, they, they didn't like me that much because of my ethnicity, but then there was such a sense of pride, too, that you see me so much as something that it just kind of filled me with pride. Like, wow, you hate me so much because of what I am, but you see me as like a pure part of that. So it, for me, I don't know. It's, I'm weird. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, wow, I'm a little conflicted with this. Like, I know you hate me, but it's like, wow, you really like, like you recognize me that much as being what I am and what I represent. Like I'm it. And that's, that was, I don't know. Like I said, it was like a weird thing. It's like um, there's, actually, you're so powerful to them; they feel compelled to push back at you. Right. Yeah. And and I kind of you know I accepted it. And the 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 people that were hosting the event came over and they said to me, "Hey, look, you know, I understand if you're uncomfortable now and this didn't want to happen, you just want to pack up and go." I'm like, "No, I came here to share what you asked me to do for your you know your community. I'm here for that. We did the program." The, individual stayed in the back and then they paid for the whole thing which i thought was kind of amazing and uh you know i i don't think i've ever talked as fast as i did that day because i wasn't sure what was going to happen when the sun went down sort of method but 
when um after the event the person came over to me and they said you know i listened to everything you said and i can't say i i now disagree with your point of view and what you've been through i still can't get past what i was taught and he was referring to the heat so and i think that's sort of a key we sometimes live in an environment where we don't realize we are in control of you know our direction and our consciousness i can be taught my entire life hate this because it did this to us in the past today has it actually affected me other than learning the lesson but not actually living through the history of it and i think there's a big separation of that in what you said before taking responsibility we need to take responsibility for our actions right now realizing that i have a choice that our creator has given us that our god has given us that our family has given us to just break the cycle by changing our point of view and looking at it in a fact of well i know what happened here what can i do today to be better than that of what happened to my people in the past and to represent the best aspects of that and to push forward knowing my struggles but not carrying those burdens and to be a beacon for a creative positive goal for my kids and hopefully in some small way inspire others to want to get up and do something similar to that you know and you know when i started my whole programs years ago that was my big thing if i could affect one person in my audience if one person would hear it and would realize hey you know what there's something inspiring you know here that you know they share their culture up there after everything they've ever been through and everything they've ever done maybe i can do that one day maybe i can get up on stage and share my culture my drums my music my whatever and give that to the audience knowing where my struggles are from but not living in that struggle knowing that there's something better knowing that i can do better i can bring something better and i can share something better but never forget where you come from so but i think that's it you, you just take responsibility more and realize you know we don't for me you know and again this is just a personal thing you know not you know burning down our cities and our towns and making it even more hard for our individuals to rebuild and and to redo but just again realize that you know there's dialogue with things um you know when i was doing more activism work i learned you know jumping in somebody's face and screaming at them about what my issues and problems are doesn't make them listen because they want to um you know but if i can talk to you i can get you to understand whether you agree with it or not at least i got you to listen and maybe even want to join my cause because you realize there is something here that I want to be a part of because I want to, not because I have to. Beautifully said. Does that make any sense? Beautifully said. Yeah. Frank Little Bear Deerfoot here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Well, that's, you know, I think that's about as much time as we have this go around, but it just, you know, we'll just, we'll just continue the conversation as a regular segment with Frank Little Bear on the program. Uh, so thank you for this conversation. I look forward to the next one. Yeah. And we want to, we want to share some music right you're going to share some yeah. of some of your music this is uh an instrument that you made yourself as well i believe uh well the flutes that i have that i'm playing for you today were all gifts that were given to me uh for 
being a musician, being a, a flute player, and I do make flute, uh, but I always found my strongest connection with my songs are all the ones that were given to me. So the one that I'm going to play for you today is in the key of B. Um, it was made by a gentleman uh, uh, down in Maryland uh, from uh, their store, their uh Sorry, company was called Bear Creations that they made. They made some really, really great flutes and stuff. And uh, anyway, long story short, they gifted me with this one flute, and I'd love to play for you a song uh, today called "The New Sky." Um, it's an original piece and uh, something I've been working on for the past six, seven months. So it'll be heard here first on the show. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much, little bear. Ciao, brother.
Excerpt from Colson Whitehead's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Underground Railroad. Elijah Lander's father was a rich white lawyer in Boston who lived openly with his colored wife. They suffered the rebukes of their circle and, in midnight whispers, characterized their offspring as the union of an African goddess and a pale mortal a demagogue. To hear the white dignitaries tell it in their long-winded introductions to his speeches, Lander demonstrated his brilliance from an early age. A sickly child, he made the family library his playground, poring over volumes he struggled to lift from the shelves. At the age of six, he played the piano like a European master. He performed concerts to the empty parlor, bowing to silent applause. Family friends interceded to make him the first colored student at one of the prestigious white colleges. Quote, They gave me a slave pass, as he described it, and I used it for mischief. Lander lived in a broom closet. No one would room with him. After four years, his fellows elected him valedictorian. He skittered between obstacles like a primeval creature who had outwitted the modern world. Lander could have been anything he wanted, a surgeon, a judge. Brahmins urged him to go to the nation's capital to make his mark in politics. He'd broken through into a small corner of American success where his race did not curse him. Some might have lived in that space happily, rising alone. Lander wanted to make room for others. People were wonderful company sometimes. In the end, he chose to give speeches. In his parents' parlor to an audience of distinguished Bostonians, then in the homes of those distinguished Bostonians, in colored meeting houses and Methodist churches and lecture halls throughout New England. Sometimes he was the first colored person to set foot in the buildings apart from the men who built them, the women who cleaned them. 
Red-faced sheriffs arrested him for sedition. He was jailed for inciting riots that weren't riots but peaceful gatherings. The Honorable Judge Edmund Harrison of Maryland issued a warrant for his arrest, accusing him of, quote, promulgating an infernal orthodoxy that imperils the fabric of good society. A white mob beat him before he was rescued by those who had come to hear him read from his Declarations of the Rights of the American Negro. From Florida to Maine, his pamphlets and later his autobiography were burned in bonfires along with his effigy. Better in effigy than in person, he said. What private aches nagged him beneath that placid demeanor, none could say. He remained imperturbable and strange. I'm what the botanists call a hybrid, he said the first time Cora heard him speak. A mixture of two different families. In flowers, such a concoction pleases the eye. When that amalgamation takes its shape in flesh and blood, some take great offense. In this room, we recognize it for what it is, a new beauty come into the world, and it is in bloom all around us. You know, there was a time when if someone told you to do something, you did it. Bam, right on, no questions asked. It was yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. You never said no, you know? But you know, things are changing nowadays. It's a new day, babies. Folks want to take their own lives into their hands and make their own choices. No longer do they want to go along with the program because everybody says right. You know what I mean? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. You see, because I don't want no go watch for working 50 years from Won't you know? 
Tschüss. Yellow hue. And the particles of pollen whisper honeysuckle moments of clarity through the sun reflecting so vivid a yellow hue. This milieu warming pure human desire to breathe life and taste another morning of flowers. Like an atom underneath waterfalls, the garden of Eden, two fools in love, so beautiful and strong. Birds in the trees are smiling upon them. From the age of the dinosaurs, cars were run on gasoline. Where, where have they gone now? Now there's nothing but flowers. This was a factory, now there are mountains and rivers. You got it, you got it, we caught a rattlesnake. Now we got something for dinner. You got it, you got it. This was a shopping mall. Now it's all coming with flowers. You got it, you got it. If this is paradise, I wish I had a lawnmower. You got it, you got it. I was an angry young man I'd pretend That I was a billboard Standing tall By the side of the road I fell in love With a beautiful used to be real estate now it's only only fields and trees where where is the town now now there's nothing but flowers the highways and cars were sacrificed for agriculture And there you have it, episode 385 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours, with yours truly, 
E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Frank Little Bear Deerfoot. I also would like to thank the Pulitzer Prize winning author, Colson Whitehead, and these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Rage Against the Machine, Mavis Staples, Verdel Primo, Johnny Mike, and Robert Atson, Lou Rawls, David Byrne, and of course, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard, too. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care.